Welcome everybody back for another fun edition of the Rolex Whiskey Passion Project. Really, really have been appreciating all of you listening and all the great ratings we've been getting. Make sure if you listen to an episode that you enjoy, give a little bit of rating. But, you know, I'm here to have fun, talk whiskey passion, talk about life, talk about spirits, and just have a good time at the end of the day. And I've been really having some fun guests, as you've heard. Today, we're going to do a little bit of a different angle where I'm actually going to be interviewed by my amazing producer. And we're really going to talk about whiskey influencing, uh, whiskey and celebrities, and kind of see what, see what, you know, my insights and intel on what I'm going. Brasco, I appreciate you doing this, kind sir. How are you today? Oh, it's been a little while since we did the last time where we got a real good background on your history and, and your whole thing of uh, whiskey investment and how you got started and how it all came to be. This is a good way to go because you are in this field of influencer yourself. Like that's where, you know, you, you have it, a definite social following and this podcast is a branch of it. It's an outreach. Exactly. It. So it makes sense to go ahead and take the platform and let's see what the other people are doing, doing the same thing you're doing. I, I totally agree. I mean, I kind of fell into this influencing thing um, on accident. I was really more focused on my collection. And as I was posting pictures, I noticed other people were really enjoying posting of my pictures. And they started following me. And that's, you know, I, I, I never set out to be a whiskey influencer. But I tell you, I put a lot of hard work into continue to build uh, my global whiskey following. And I still work very hard at it every single day. Definitely not for the weak hearted. And you know what? It's a difference when there's an influencer that is passionate and really cares about what they're doing. Because that's the part that nobody ever realizes that, you know, there's some people that do this because it's a cash grab, because it's marketing. It's like, let me get my brand out there. What can I do that people will actually pay attention to? This is your deal. You enjoy it. You love it. You go visit and you, you've made a, a major circle of friends. You go to all over the world to enjoy it. Like this is more than a hobby. Passion project is even like not even enough of a turn. To be honest, it's really it's it's something that makes me happy, and it's, it's made me happy more and more year over year. Meeting great people, drinking great whiskeys. I've really tried to use the whole Rolex whiskey uh, Instagram as an educational tool to educate people on. There's lots of different whiskey out there, and some of them might not have huge budgets to spend money and and get them in the pipeline. Doesn't mean you can't buy their whiskeys. And I just really had a great time trying it all and seeing and adding whiskey to my investment. Um, just more than I could ever dream. But I love it. I truly, truly, truly love every minute of it. It doesn't seem, it's just something that, it's a great release for me that makes me happy. So now, Gavin, when it comes down to it, really defining what a real, actual whiskey influencer it is, the, the ones that you know in the space, the ones that you talk to yourself, what's the bar? What is it? What, what defines an actual whiskey influencer? And what's the bar that that person has to reach to be at the level of influencer like yourself and others? Well, obviously, there's a following. You know, unfortunately, there is rampant uh, pain for subs paying for followers that exist out there. Uh, a couple of months ago, even a little longer, I found a software that you could like put the person's profile in. And I mean, this one guy had like 75% paid followers. So obviously full of shit, just wants to kind of be part of the wave. I mean, whiskey influencing should be an individual or a company or a group of individuals that enjoys 
passionately talking about whiskey and is real. You know, there's a lot of guys out there that are whiskey influencers that I throw up like air quotes, but will literally endorse anything that pays a check. It doesn't really matter. They will take money from anybody and they will go out there and be like, oh, this is amazing whiskey. I've been real clear from day one um, that I don't post anything that's not real, that I don't actually enjoy. I turn down more samples than I get because I just don't have time to dig into everybody's whiskey. I like a good story. So I think that, you know, to be a good whiskey influencer, you should know the whole story about the brand and where they're coming from. And are they legitimate or are they just kind of filling a void because, you know, whiskey has had a huge demand the last two years. So when I when I like great like when I think about who's whiskey who is a whiskey influencer, there's really not many out there. There's tens that pretend to be, and there's tons that want to be. But there's not really many actual ones. I mean, a lot of the old school accounts, and I'm not going to name, you know, these guys, but like, they were like the real ones. They were like the day ones, but they got burnt out. You know, like they just got bored. They were doing great jobs, but this requires effort. You know, I got to toast two, three times a day. I got to do stories. I got to do that. So for me, when I look at a whiskey influence, I look at somebody that has a global following because whiskeys are drank everywhere in the world. I look at someone that's truly passionate that when they talk, that they take the time to put their thoughts down, not just posting a story like, hey, look at me drinking whiskey. It's like they take the time to talk about the experience. And I think at the end of the day, it's someone that actually, to me, is a whiskey consumer. Like they actually do enjoy consuming whiskey. Like they're known for consuming. I'll go sit at bars all around the world and try a bunch of whiskey, random stuff, just to try stuff. Like that, to me, is the of a whiskey influencer. Unfortunately, you know, money just was creating a shit show. And I think we're finally starting to see the end of it, which is nice. And I think we can go back to a more peaceful environment where you will see influencers talking about whiskey that they truly enjoy, not whiskey that pays them to talk about it. That makes sense. Right. And also the experience, the knowledge of knowing all these brands and trying all these different types of brands that are out there. In Scotch whiskey alone, you know, there's 140 some odd brands or dispensaries are actually uh, 140. That's just in uh, distilleries, just in Scotland. That's not Japan. That's not pick everywhere else. It's not Canada. That's not America. There's a lot. I I mean, American bourbon can slap another 140 on it. You know, and it's, it's, it's wild how much stuff there is out there. Unfortunately, because demand has been so high the last couple of years, there's been a lot of products hit the market that I would say don't cut this enough. That's why you see me digging deep. I mean, I came back from that Scotland trip and I literally started using the hashtag dinosaur whiskey. It was literally like whiskey that was drank. I'm joking, of course, when the dinosaurs roamed the earth, but like whiskey was just different back then, like 1969 whiskey, 1950 whiskey, 1956, 1964. It's very different to. 2018 and 2020 whiskey very different and i think like i have really like because just don't always forget my number one priority is my whiskey investment i am a hundred percent there to make money on that that is the kids college fund so when i can go dig into a whiskey like i i the scotland trip like spending time with glenn turret spending time with uh bullmore with dad like, right. I mean, these are the old, some of the oldest whiskey houses in the world. 
and digging. Go, you know, go into Cairn, which is the, you know, the, the Gordon McPhail team, their new distillery, you know, Ben Romack. Like you're talking about like whiskey that is just different. Whiskey, people behind the whiskey are just different. Their passion levels, they're just, they're crazy, crazy, passionate, crazy history. Stuff that's just not popped up last week in a microwave, you know, like, hey, I'm a whiskey brand. So I dig deep into all of that. I mean, my trip to New York a few weeks ago, like these Samarolis, I mean, he was one of the best kicker. I mean, I don't know anyone that's actually not had a, had said like the Samaroli whiskey they had was the best. He picked the most amazing barrels. And they're freaking delicious. And I love all these independent bottlers. Like they pick barrels when whiskey wasn't selling. Imagine here you are, some large distillery, and nobody's buying your whiskey. Yet you have to keep the lights on and, you know, keep it going. So you start selling your barrels to these independent guys. And then they store them and take care of them. And then they rebottle them years ago. But that whiskey that they bought was a time capsule. Like that to me is whiskey influencing when you're talking about that. Not taking money from anybody and everybody and being like, hey, this week I'm loyal. I pledge allegiance to this one. And next week, this one, like all this flip-flopping around, you know, it's it needs to come to an end. And I think it is. Um, but that to me is like for whiskey influencing, it's guys that are like digging, guys and girls that are digging deep, deep, deep into the passion of whiskey and sharing that with their audiences with putting real work into it, real posting stories, reels, like digging into it that you can just feel the passion. They're like, oh my God, this is amazing. The other thing that makes you an influencer, I think in my eyes, especially for whiskey, is thinking about, you talk to people that, you know, they have restaurants, they own bars, they're bartenders, they're serving it. And they might be serving it at, you know, a nice event, you know, at a home or just, well, it's really like in really elegant, lavish parties or the finest restaurants and lounges that are out there around the world, you got to think about, they might be listening to you, for instance, and saying, this is something I need to put top shelf at my restaurant because it's exclusive. People are going to say, I heard about this. I tried out what Gavin said, and I'm saying to myself, I'm going to put that on the shelf, and somebody's going to buy that bottle. It could be a Magnum for all we know, but they're going to try that out, and people will really get the chance to taste the difference. I do it all day long. I tell I when I'm you've you've heard me talk to some of the most influential bar owners in this country, and I'm all day long just saying, "Oh my God, have you tried this? Oh my God, have you tried?" And vice versa, they come to me like, "Oh, have you tried that?" No, I'd love to learn more. Oh, I'd like to understand more. It's all about that two way street of sharing the knowledge. That is whiskey influence, right? And, and you've had enough people on the show that they've come from there, and their own experience on where they're figuring out. Oh, and this is. It's like passing along the word. Hey, this is the latest thing. You should try this, you know. And then if you're the one that gets to open up the bottle first time, let them, they're going to oh, smell the cap and they get a, tr get a pour yeah. of it. Like, is that bottle going to even stay? It's going to be finished off. It's a special moment. It's definitely a special moment. There we go. There's so much to be said about who is doing this now, because like I said, we can talk about the, the ones faking it to make it, the ones that are legit, like right now, Celebrities want to be a part of this. I'm not surprised by that. And the well, latest, well, thanks, thanks to Connor. I mean, Connor really, like you know, he put it on the map. And before that, you know, Randy Gerber and George Clooney did the tequila. So, like, it's a thing. I mean, what's going on now? There's a couple more, right? Well, so after proper twelve, uh, you, know, you you can't miss the Connor McGregor commercial. The way he says it, proper number twelve. Irish, and I think okay. And now Jean Claude Van Damme. I don't even know. I thought he was like Netherlands or Dutch or something like that. I didn't know he was. 
Irish, but he's going after his own <laughs> Irish whiskey. And he says, it's not like my old Irish whiskey. He's saying now he's going to debut it. And to start it, it's called Old Oak. Oh, he's from Brussels, Belgium. There, what okay, was he doing with this? But he obviously took questions about, you know, oh, that Van Dam's not a fan of MMA champion Conor McGregor about proper number 12. And he says, quote, proper number 12 was heavy in my throat when I tried it. It's not like my old oak Irish whiskey because that is more. What's the word? Smooth. I like it better that way. You know, this, I'm sorry. What is Van Damme involved in the movies? What, what was it? A sudden death? It's, it, it doesn't, it doesn't even matter because like High for cop? some reason, yeah, but for some reason they can go parade him around the town. They can put him in front of everything. And whoever's making that song, oh, great. I mean, it's become a, like, so it must cost an absolute fortune to make a whiskey these days. Okay. Oh, nice. Must. And then you've got to make your money back. So what's the easiest way? You go put a celebrity in the mix. You try to get a little at zero to 60 in maybe four seconds and not nine seconds. Oh, Van Damme? I don't know. I mean, jury's out on that one. I was kind of shocked when I saw that word. Well, fuck, man, who knows these days? It's like, it's, it's it's interesting because there is market share for celebrity endorsed products. Do they last very early? Not many. I mean, proper I really stood the test of time. Because well, for, it, it, it uh, fits his personality. I think it fit his, McGregor's personality. I think it was very personal for him. I think it was an opportunity to maybe, in my mind, take a swing at Jameson and come out with proper 12. And literally, like, yeah, I, everybody poo-pooed it, but shit, it's still there. It's still everywhere, and it's still growing. So, you know, hey, more power. Jean-Claude coming right now, coming to play over there? I don't know. Interesting play. Interesting play. Well, you do know that Connor's not even part of the brand anymore. No, no, no. Oh, He's this stake. Yep, yep. Nice payday, 500 million bucks. Pretty nice. All day long. And and all the fun that was, you know, along the way. Uh, who, uh, there's some there's some other guys that are, I mean it's it's a thing now celebrity endorsed spirits it's a thing you know the Floyd Mayweather also has a brand I didn't realize that either but he also launched his own Canadian whiskey brand recently and it's like where they're all coming from with all this but okay I, I didn't know about that part but I, I I think I think that it's like in my real world of grocery you know every year there's trends um you know. There was gluten-free, there was vegan, there was keto. I think that it's now the time in the world of whiskey. All right, somebody saw the trend. Hey, whiskey's trending. Some marketing company is like, all right, well, we can go make whiskey. Uh, all right, we need a face. All right, let's go get a celebrity. Best way to get a face, put a celebrity on there. So, uh, so, so I think that's, what, that's what's going on out there. So Floyd Mayweather's whiskey is the good money whiskey. It's already in 11 states. And it's going to have two forms, five-year-old blended, 10-year-old rye. I mean, that's actually pretty ballsy because there's a seven-year-old out there right now being dressed up that sells for way too much money, um, you know, by by a uh, socialite. And it, it's just different, you know, I, and it's more power. Hey, if you guys want to go try that, I don't see myself reviewing or enjoying those whiskeys because no, no disrespect, I'm sure the whiskey's really nice. I just don't like... I make a, a very obnoxious comment. Life's too short to drink shitty whiskey. This is. So for me, it's like when I'm choosing that moment to drink whiskey, I'm choosing a moment to really dig in and go down a rabbit hole of a whole expression. And I'm not saying by any means that their whiskeys are shitty. 
It's just not for a guy like me, but shit, I'm a non-normal individual. Well, I'm totally fine with more people coming in because what's happening right now, Brasco, is the shelves are empty because so many people are buying whiskey. They had people just buy whiskey because somebody's like, oh, that could be worth something. When it's worth, whiskey's not nothing. So you have these people that will go buy $40, $50 bottles of whiskey that should just stay on the shelf, but they buy them. Oh, no, no, it's worth 70 bucks. It's worth $80. So you have this void. Well, you know what's going to happen now? You're going to have all the celebrity whiskey at the market. So it is. Because nobody wants an empty shelf. They got nothing to put there. Whiskey is still on point. Tequila is big. Mezcal is big. Rum is becoming big. But they're not touching that whiskey space. They're still leaving all those however many square feet that they have per store ready to go for them. And, you know, it doesn't, it's not even settled with just boxers and, you know, professional combat sport fighters. It's not even that. No, the King of England also wants to get into the game. I like that. I like that. Because King Charles has been a strong supporter of Scotch whiskey. So actually, that, I was like, that is pretty cool. Because he's had a long history of loving Scotch whiskey. He's, I believe, from what I've heard, he's truly passionate about whiskey. And I think, like, hey, if anybody else is doing it, why not? I would actually give that a try. Of course, in a dream would be to drink it with him. I mean, I think that would be a pretty fuck you moment. Sitting down with King Charles and drinking whiskey. So I'm going to put that out there in the world. I, and I'm sure that he's checked a lot of boxes for the whiskey to be like, hey, it's going to be quasi-decent to highly decent to maybe really good. But I was kind of excited about that one because I'm, I, from what I've heard, is he really does enjoy whiskey. So it could be fun when you're dealing with some of that. I've never seen Floyd Mayweather drinking whiskey I always see champagne. I don't really even see Floyd Mayweather when he socializes drinking. He's not a drinker. He's an athlete. He really doesn't drink as much as, you know, other athletes that I've seen out there. Um, but King Charles could be really interesting. I'm, I'm intrigued by that. If I'm right, I think Margaret Thatcher, actually, she also had her own brand of, I don't know if it was whiskey or not, but I think it was because she was a very avid whiskey drinker herself. 12-year-old Scott, she used to enjoy. And, yeah. you know, for... The king, he has now the high growth coronation vatting single malt whiskey. It's going to be sold in the estate. It's uh, 150 euros a bottle or 150 pounds a bottle. What is like, what, $140 US? Something like that? I mean, that's a, it's, a, it's a very smart price point. It's in line with most 12 to 14 year olds that are out there in, in, in the UK. Um, so I think it's smart. I would like to try that. I would go out and buy that. I'd go buy that before I'd buy Jean Claude Van Damme's or Floyd Mayweather. In a heartbeat. I might never, ever buy those. Um, but it's I would definitely buy. And no disrespect to them. It's just like, I don't see them as whiskey people. I don't know. Jean, listen, I only know Jean-Claude Van Damme for those action movies. Right. I don't know. Maybe for all I know, he drank. But I would have rather, like, you know, got one of the double O seven to endorse a whiskey before I would have gone with Jean-Claude Van Damme. I agree. Like, in, in, I agree. In, in my mind. Like, pick one of the, the, one of the living... 007s and put his face on a whiskey and maybe there is one out there we just don't know about it well because he's a vodka martini guy unfortunately the white street drinking scotch that's the other part so I only know. a thousand bottles is a limited edition there uh gavin it could be worth well, the that i like that, for me. that i like that i like i like limited edition i like i mean you know when 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 the queen died all of a sudden those older uh coronation bottles really went sky high in value Right. Um, they've since settled down significantly, but these are life moments, you know, these kings and queens and, you know, 
and other royal members. These are life moments that that whiskey houses really stand behind and create unique experiences to capture that moment. I mean, Royal Salute has done it probably one of the best. Um, McCallum has done it. I don't know. Many others, I'm sure, have done a special in honor of royalty whiskey on these coronations. I will definitely at some point, not right now because I'm kind of watching the market, I will definitely pick up the coronation, you know, any of the King Charles stuff at some point for my collection because it's, it's like, that's it. It's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. Now, is there a, are there tons of future buyers out there? No, you don't really know until, unfortunately, the guy passes away in 20 years or whenever. You know, like, the, the, the Queen's bottles kind of just sat around. Nobody really jumped all over them until she died. And then that was just like a brief moment, and then they kind of came back down. But they're still, obviously, incredibly up. So if you're saying it's 1,000 bottles and it's 150, still for an old news, that 150 could be worth seven, 800. Okay, I'm good with that. That's a good return on investment for me. You know, anytime I can make four to five X, I'm very happy on what I spent. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, uh, you know, for, it's not the best way to think about it, but think about it. I mean, the, how many years can the king, you know, surpass, you know, maybe when he, if he does pass, then, you know, that becomes a real collector's item after that fact. Oh, always. I mean, I, you know, I, I was, um, I forget who I was with recently in Scotland and they had some, there was some other King Charles, very limited whiskeys from 1993. And, uh, this gentleman had four of them. And I mean, they must be worth north of 10 grand now. Those bottles became, King Charles was a very big part in 1993 of getting Scotch whiskey, something around 93 or 97, somewhere in the 90s right. of getting Scotch whiskey kind of back on track to the greatness you know, of the prior. So he's been a huge, huge um, catalyst for Scotch whiskey. So yeah, I, like I said, I would, I would look to get one of those bottles for sure. Now, dream would be to go taste it with him. You never know. You never know the shit that I could get up to. And if you don't want to just do just your simple, get your spokesperson as an influencer, then you can just do what Johnny Walker, you know, our favorite we will always mention if you want to hear on the show, that's a, that's the drinking game. Johnny Walker black, right? But no, Johnny Walker blue. They teamed up with a chef, Kay Kobayashi for a new yeah. Scotch whiskey yeah, with umami. the umami. Yes. Umami. They, uh, Ewan McGregor, who was on that show, he launched it last night. I want to say New York, I think, or the night before. I mean, they're going to go big with that. Those Johnny Walker blues, there are so many of them and they're like cultish. I don't know if you ever. One of my first interviews with Jay, you know, Whiskey Heaven on, on Instagram, Jay's got a huge collection of Johnny Walker Blues from all around the world. And believe it or not, these things go up in serious value because they were super limited. Super limited. Um, every country has done something. So this is Umami one. Like, I saw it already in the store. My concern is they just make a lot more whiskey these days than they used to in the past. And unfortunately... Even if they don't make a lot more, people just aren't consuming it. So that means the bottles aren't opened, which means to me, like, it's very hard if you go to sell it and then eight other people go to sell it too. Because there's so many unopened bottles. But we'll see how that plays out. So when they talk about more to trying that Johnny Walker Blue Amari, because that Johnny Walker, some of those um, some of those limited editions truly are absolutely delicious. The limited editions. So, and this particular blue label, they say it comes with a delicate balance of sweet and savory. It's like a thoughtful dinner course, blood oranges, red berries, wood spice, setting the stage before they're complemented with a 
hint of smoked meat that's been slightly seasoned with salt and pepper. And the finish... I mean, I, I, yeah. I don't know if you can hear me. I'm like clapping in the background because seriously, that sounds delicious. That sounds delicious. They do it right. The Arjun does not fuck around. They do it right. Yes, they're giant marketing beef. But like you look on the fifth, on the almost 50 podcasts we've done now, like almost every single person, when you ask what was their first whiskey experience, Johnny Walker. Right. I don't know where the fuck they are in the world. But it's like, oh, I drank Johnny Walker. Blended, blended. So they're a beast. I, I, I love watching it. I love, love, love watching it because I do know when it comes to Johnny Walker Blue, um, I was fortunate enough, you know, my dear friend Mahesh of Universal Whiskey, he had, you know, he had Diageo do a um, deconstruction of Johnny Walker Blue. And it was absolutely delicious taking all the different whiskeys and putting it together. So I, I'm looking forward to Mumarin. So sounds good. Now, I, I don't have anything else in terms of the celebrities and the influence side, but just since we were kind of going to the route of that limited edition, very high end, once in a lifetime kind of deal, you you mentioned McCallum a little bit earlier. And there is one now that's going up for auction next month. I don't know. You got to oh, book your ticket. Uh, it's going to be a oh, Sotheby's. On November 18th, and it's on McCallum okay. 1926. Yeah, that is a legend. 1926 is like folklore. Um, you know, Johnny, aka Wandering Whiskey on Instagram, you know, he runs Sotheby's uh, Spirits program. I was just with him in Scotland a few weeks ago at that Sotheby's one of one. Uh, this is this is an amazing bottle. And honestly, like, I know it's really weird to say, and I'm not disrespecting money, but shit, if I had 1.6 million lying around, I would jump on that bottle. I mean, 1926 is this like urban legend. And there's a couple of renditions of 1926. I think there's like three or four different ones, um, different shapes and forms of 1926. And this one is, I mean, with the artwork and everything is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Whoever wins that, whoever bids and, and gets the, the winning bid is a truly lucky individual or company forever. It is these days. I'm secretly hoping that McCallum buys it back for themselves and puts it into their vaults. Um, because, you know, this is, this is even here. You can't recreate that one. But now, if you could, like, I mean, what what would be like the the limit that you think somebody should be able to go and bid for that? If it's starting at one point, well, they say like a half, million and a half dollars. Like, how high do you think somebody could go up oh, for that? Oh, so it, 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 it's, it's really. Values in the worth of the bidder. I mean, shit, this thing could go to two and a half million. You know, it could stop at one point eight. That it, like it's you don't understand. You have this passionate group, especially of Asian investors of whiskey. That like the guys from Singapore, the guys from China, like they will spend money, more money than we can ever fathom to get the bottle. This is the bottle. You know, this is the bottle. And like you have that. That's a pretty big swinging. You know what? <laughs> bottle to have in your collection or investment. And if I was an investment fund, you know, I would go head to head with those guys and buy it because like, you just can't go wrong buying that bottle. If you have time, you know, if you have time, but that's a, like, if you, if you are a collector of luxury whiskey, that's it. Let me get better than that. Luxury and rare. I also like the case it comes in, like the way it's set up is beautiful. It's beautiful. And and I like the fact that they retouched it. This was a very rare time where like McCallan actually took the bottle back from Sotheby's and they and they made sure that the art was stuck correctly on the bottle. And they and they, they did a touch up, which I think was brilliant. 
Yeah. I mean, they do that with art. Why are they not doing that with whiskey? Why do I have to go buy a vintage whiskey that looks like a vintage whiskey when I get it on the outside? The inside is untouched. It's the outside. Like, clean it up. Fill in the reds. Fill in the blacks. Make it look nice. Make it proud. I was very impressed with that move. Like, honestly, when I read that part, I'm like, that is freaking cool that they actually try to bring this into, like, to restore it to its original glory. Wow. Yeah, I'm excited. I wish I could be around for that thing. Well, you know, and once again, I have, you know, after going to that Sotheby's Distiller 101 auction a few weeks ago, I've just the appreciation of these super limited rare whiskeys from established whiskey houses, like just made my brain like my brain explode and my heart pump fast with full of love for what the Scotch whiskey community offers to the world as terms of history and integrity in their whiskeys that they produce. No doubt. Well, that's everything I had. We're going to go ahead and uh, point it there, but uh, that's good encompassing it, just it. the idea of influencers, celebrities, and just the the people that, you know, the ways that people can get involved in it and who is really inside of it. Like, I mean, now we know, like, okay, the, the boxers, eh, maybe not so invested in it. King Charles, yeah, he's pretty invested in it. Sounds like a really yeah, enjoys something it. there and then and then you know like you're you know as followers you have so many options of people who to follow just remember that a lot of people's numbers were done earlier um the number doesn't mean anything it's the passion behind it i've seen guys with five thousand followers that are way better whiskey influencers than people that have a hundred thousand followers i recommend like a whiskey influencer to me is somebody that's truly passionate i don't think you should always use the followers as a gauge. Of course, I play in a different level because I have over 200,000 followers globally that I can flex on. But it doesn't mean that a guy who only has 5,000 followers is, is any less than me if they're truly passionate. I mean, I think like you want to feel the passion. You don't want to feel like you're at an advertising website 24-7 and they'll literally do anything. There's some amazing female influencers that are really coming up. Big, big, big time. So, yeah, just super excited to, you know, where the future is going with everything and watching. And, and like, you know, I tell Brennan's, you know, be careful when you pay whiskey influences. Really, like, cultivate your own audience. It's very hard to get an ROI. When a whiskey influencer posts about you, it doesn't mean, like, all of a sudden you're going to get hundreds of followers. You might get jack shit. So take that into account. Like, build your own account base. You know, like, I, I think like off the top of my head, like Mictors has done a really good job of building their own follower base. Like those people follow Mictors. They love Mictors. Yes, influencers can talk about the product, but at the end of the day, Mictors like it's them. And I think more whiskey brands should focus on building their own followers rather than trying to like cheat and attempt to buy, not buy followers, but buy influence by working with influencers who may or may not even like have the following that sets it. I mean, my followers are everything. They'll drink bourbon, they'll drink scotch, they'll drink Japanese whiskey, they'll drink Taiwanese whiskey, they will drink independent bottles, big names, because that's what I drink. You know, like that's what I drink. So I'm super excited with, you know, I think there's going to be a little bit of a culling of the herd as far as influences, but I think there's a whole new generation that's about to pop up, which I'm super excited for. And I'm, I'm I love watching some of these younger ones. And when I say younger, 
newer influences that just really swinging for it out there. Pretty cool to see. Well, I want to thank everyone for listening to just, I just wanted to kind of talk about influencing and stuff like that. And I appreciate everyone listening. Like I said, give it a rate, give it a rating. I'm here. I I'm bringing on guests that I really, really enjoy what they do and who they make. I, you know, unfortunately I'm sorry for those people that keep hitting me up. Like, Hey, can you, can we come on your show? It's just, I'm not running that like that. I I'm reaching out. These are people that I want to learn more about or people I have relationships with. Um, and just keep having fun because I'm truly passionate about all of this. So thank you again for listening. Brasco, thanks for doing this with me. Thank you. Um, we got some more fun stuff coming and I'll chat to everyone soon. Make sure to listen, make sure to rate, and I will see everybody next time. Thank you again. <laughs>